Welcome, everybody, back to the Nosebleed Sports Podcast. I'm Chris Witt, and with me, as always, is Mr. Adam Schmidt. Adam, how are you today, sir? All things considered, I'm well. How are you? I got to say, pretty soon you're not going to need a mask because your beard just covers is going to just cover your entire face. Yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm counting on that. I'm trying to save money on masks. Yeah, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Hey, so uh, have you had any basketball here recently? Have you? Did you have an open gym here yesterday or today? We had the we had drills and skills. Yep, yesterday. Uh, so we're it's it's twice a week for the next month. Um, so I'm 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 out. I'm in the gym. We we're getting our temperatures every every day. We go in there. We got to we got to fill out a form every day. We go in there. Um, we got to you know the coaches have masks. Uh, we try to keep the girls spread apart the whole time. So we're just trying to run basically ball handling and shooting stuff that you can do kind of spaced out. Sure. Yeah. Every girl get their own ball and uh, nobody's allowed touching that ball but them. They actually don't they actually don't have a big issue with the with the ball, but I mean you pretty much pretty much keep the same ball because they're you know, we have like maybe eight or ten girls come for each session we have a couple sessions in those nights but so you, there are plenty of basketballs to have your own sure so we uh so we opened up softball uh, had the had the first uh you know slow pitch men's beer league softball game this past sunday and uh so i got to get out and get a little get a little uh action on the on the dirt but uh, i gotta tell you buddy nothing like that at all nothing like what you went through at all Oh, yeah. Besides for the fact that the besides for the fact that the concession stands where you went to go get concessions, they moved the line over to the side and kind of curled it into the parking lot, which mm -hmm. is awesome. By the way, they need to keep it that way forever. Oh. Uh, besides that, no, uh, yeah, never would have known anything was going on. Never have any idea. I we played and at the end of the game you're supposed to tip your cap apparently we didn't I didn't realize that nobody told us so we went through the handshake line you know knuckled through and the umpire comes up and he goes man you guys I could get in a lot of trouble if somebody saw you guys doing that no shaking hands after a game just tip the cap and go keep that in mind for the rest of the year okay well let me tell you I pitch okay I have I tried my hardest not to do it but when I'm thinking about it I don't do it but my problem is I'm a, I always lick my fingers before like two, three times before every pitch, get a little grip on them fingers, you know, spit in my glove, wipe it in there without <laughs> even thinking. I do it without thinking. Yeah. Just yeah, what yeah. I've done forever. Mm -hmm. So that is never got told anything about that. Uh, they provide bats for us. Right. So they, then she can't do bring any Dr. Juice bats down there. They provide the bats. There's five bats. I mean, we trade those back and forth every inning, but heaven forbid you go through and, and knuckle up. So I'm allowed to lick the ball that everybody's <laughs> touching, but I can't go through and give somebody a knuckle to, uh, on the way out. It is – I'm so confused on all the rules and all – everything is – I feel like depending on where you are is depending on, on where, what, what the rules are. Yeah, it sounds like everybody's kind of going by, you know, like when the uh, when the governor addresses wh whether it's I, I keep forgetting whether it's every week or every couple of days or whatever, 
Um, and, and he keeps saying like, okay, this is what we're supposed to be doing. And this is what's reopening with these guidelines and, and all that. And even the, the national, the national stuff too. Um, you know, they're still saying, you know, you're supposed to keep your distance and wear masks and all that kind of stuff. But, but also at the same time, we're reopening all these public things. So it's, it's, it's kind of, I don't know, it's very, very hard to, for everybody to, to really be really serious about it. And, and it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen that people, you know, I'm, I'm assuming you guys were standing right next to each other in the dugouts. I mean, it's only a, I mean, you, you know, uh, yeah, fifteen uh, foot bench or whatever, and there's a space right there, and that's you. You're just right there, right? I, I, I gotta say, it was on our way home. Aaron looked at me. My wife looked at me, and she goes, "So, does this mean that this is all just over now?" Because <laughs> it felt like it. Yeah, it I'm, felt like it. I'm, I'm with her on that. Yeah, I, I, I've been thinking, I've been thinking that for a few weeks now. As, as the first couple things that started opening up, you saw yeah. all the videos of people immediately leaving for vacation and go and just doing all the regular stuff and everybody just hanging out. There it is. So anyway, on to some real baseball instead of some softball stuff, because this is the nosebleed sports podcast. So we do try to get into some sports, even if there are no sports going on. Therefore, what's the most up-to-date thing we have going on in major league baseball. It is the fact that they cannot get along. They can't figure out the money. They can't figure out how many games Uh, it is getting uglier and uglier and uglier. And yet here we are. The Rob Manfred said today, there will be a season. He guarantees it. He said 100%. And it's, they, they keep trading proposals and, vehemently rejecting you know the other side is is like you know rejecting them like like it's an insult and so they're they're both sides i think are coming back with something they're inching inching closer each time but they started so far apart it seems like if at this pace it would take two more years to come up with a 2020 season you know i mean it's They're still pretty far apart, um, but we do know now that – so uh, the Players Association did come back 89 games. Of course, they want to keep the regular prorated salary. That's never going to – they're never going to agree to anything besides that, I don't feel like. Um, so prorated salary, 89 games. I think they've so far agreed to a some form of an extended playoff. Um, yeah. But Major League Baseball and Rob Manfred himself said at this point in the calendar – 89 games isn't, isn't realistic anymore. Um, and whether that's true or not, or whether he's just saying that because they, he's on the, the owner's side and, and they want to play a shorter season. The owners pay his salary. So, <laughs> right. Right. So uh, they're going to, they're apparently going to come back with something else. And if they, if they don't agree on that, it sounds like they're, they're pretty close to going back to the agreement they made in March, both sides where the players are going to get their prorated salary and it's going to be Rob Manfred is going to have the, the, the say about how many games. And it's 48 to 50, they said. Right. So it's, it sounds like it's probably going to end up that way. But we'll see what um, – they, they said that, you know, the, the owners are going to make some concessions and get a little bit closer to the players in this next one. But we'll see how much closer. All right. So here's my question. Adam Schmidt, what is your thoughts? What do you, how do you think this should be handled? Hearing both sides – knowing what the owners are saying, 
knowing what the players are saying, where do you come? Where do you fit in? How do you feel like this is going to end if it does end? And how do you feel it should end if you could be the one putting in an end to it? Well, well, that's not fair. Actually, that's not a fair question because you would put an end to it just by saying, don't play the season. I, that's what I was, I was, I was getting, I was trying to figure out how to say that, but I'm not a hundred percent just don't play. I mean, I, I think that's realistically, that's probably the safest thing for everybody. There are so many people involved in a baseball game between the players and the coaches and the, you know, the umpires and uh, the training staff and everybody that has to be there. Right. Um, and I'm sure, you know, they're obviously not, they're, we're not, they're not going to play with fans um, for the whole season, however that, however many games it is, um, which to me means I don't understand, especially if, we're, if you're talking about how far along you are in the calendar now and how many games you're going to be able to play. I don't understand if you're not going to be able to play with fans, why they don't just go back to what they were first talking about playing games in Florida and Arizona and just keeping everybody in the same place. Um, so, I, I mean, I feel like you cut down on, number one, since you're so far apart on money, cut down on any travel expenses, right? And, yep. and you cut down on time. I mean, you don't have to have very many – baseball players don't get very many off days to begin with uh, yep. with how much travel they have to do. But you don't really have to – you know, especially if you're only going to play 50 games, 60, 70, 80, whatever it is, um, you can get that many games in in a much shorter amount of time if, you, if everybody's in the same spot. You can have two different leagues, play them, figure out a, a, an extended playoffs, and then the winner from Florida and Arizona uh, play each other in the World Series. So, so I, I heard a guy on the radio the other day, and I feel terrible. I don't know his name. Uh, I didn't agree with a lot of what he said. He was on uh, 1530 here in Cincinnati with a, a host guy by the name of Mo Egger, and – and the guy was really good. He's a national beat writer. He's a national baseball writer. And I, I wish I could remember his name. I don't know what it is. Seth Everett. Uh, Seth Everett. I disagreed with a lot of stuff he had to say. A lot of stuff was a little far out there. Two things I kind of liked. Number one, baseball people, baseball uh, old heads like me who love the, the, the rules and the nostalgia and the historic part of the game – probably won't like this, but I kind of understood it. This is a crazy time, right? We're going to play a shortened season no matter what. Just things are going to be crazy. Everybody's already mad at a Major League Baseball for the way that the players and the owners are handling the whole thing. So let's find the best way to, fit, to, to get people back to watching baseball when it comes back. Because if you play now, it's going to be same time as the NBA, same time as uh, NHL. Football will be creeping in in a couple months anyway. So what do you do? They don't want a Mr. December or all that stuff. You know, they say that's not historic. Well, there was a Mr. November because of a historic event that happened. If this doesn't, if this doesn't catch right up there with 9-11 on how historic it is, I don't know what else would. So that being said, the NBA Finals end the end of October. I say November – First, start the season, three-month season, November, December, January. Play it in Florida and Arizona because, let's be honest, if these guys got to play right now and they're only playing in Florida and Arizona, it's going to be miserable. It's 110 degrees 
every day in July and August in Arizona. It's bearable in November, December, and January. It's, it's, it's almost nice. Mid-60s to, to low-70s, just it doesn't get any better than that. So I kind of thought it is, that was the farthest out there thing he had. I kind of enjoyed it. I, I thought, you know what? There's nothing else to watch at that point in time except football will be here, but football's only, you know, twice a week. Well, I guess three times if you count that Great. Thursday game. Still, you have baseball every single day, get back in the flow of things. People become happy again with baseball. You have then a shortened spring training, uh, and you just move right on into the next year. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't see anything really wrong with that. Um, so you're saying play that three-month uh, season and then go right into spring training almost for the uh, next season? You, you take a month off, a month or two off. You've had plenty of time off right now, so don't, don't complain like you didn't have enough time off, but you just move right back in. Maybe take two months. Maybe don't come back in the middle of February. Maybe wait till March and just have a shortened spring uh, and, and move right into 2021, uh, opening up, you know, April of 2021. Yeah, I mean, I, that's the first thing I thought of when you were saying November, December, January was, you know, you are going to compete with football. And unfortunately, because I don't feel this way, but unfortunately, I, uh, more people in this country are way bigger into football than they are in baseball at this point. So um, for three days, you are going to lose those, you know, that, that TV time on those games, you know. People just try to make those try to have the least amount of games or at least put them at better times, right? you're going to have to negotiate around it anyway, figure out a way around it. It's trying times. All right. So yeah. if that's all you got to worry about is three days, that's better not having any baseball at all or having it during the NBA where everybody's playing every day almost. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of my things. The other thing, the other thing I kind of liked was nobody wants to see the season completely end, right? That's the last thing we want to see. However, Rob Manford and Tony Clark are apparently, uh, I don't want to say they're like great friends, but they get along, which during the Bud Selig era, whoever the players, um, the player uh, rep was, not player rep, but the, one, the, the guy in charge of the players union uh, was, did not get along with Bud Selig. And that's why you had the strike in 94. There's a lot of things that were bad during those times because those two didn't like each other and didn't want to sit down in a room and even talk. Bud Selig and Tony Clark get along. There, you see them at games. Apparently, they sit together when they're at the same uh, games together. They'll they'll sit in box together and watch the games. They're cordial. They're they're friendly. You have 14 days of of quarantine, right? I, this idea, let's let's send them in to a to a hotel, make them stay there for 14 days together. And don't come out until you got a 10-year agreement starting in 2021 on forward. Let's get 10, 15 years under, a, under an agreement. Let's get everybody together. You want to make baseball come out ahead? Even if they didn't play a single game this year, but you put those two together and they come out and say, for the next 15 years, we've got a collective bargaining agreement. We're going to be getting along from here on out. I think that even though you don't get the games in, there's still something good that comes of it. And maybe, and we don't have to 
then worry about what happens at the end of 2021 when we have the, the, the next collective bargaining agreement comes up. So I think that was kind of a decent idea too. If we got to miss, if we're going to have to lose a season, let's at least lose it to something good, get something good out of it and not have to do this all over again in two years at the end of the season, at the end of next year, where we got to wait and see what's going to happen or in two years, whatever, see what happens in. Yeah. I, I, uh, so I heard the same interview and it was the thing that, that would have to happen for that to, to happen is that they cancel this season because you are not getting a 10 year CBA done in two weeks. And there's too much, there's too much to work out even after they have an agreement. You lost two grown men in a room together. It's, it's going to have to be more than those two. And that was interesting, too. That was an interesting thing that, that Seth Everett said was I was surprised because I, I've heard that they don't care for each other. Like, I, I thought that they didn't um, because there's because they represent two totally opposite sides that, like, almost hate each other. <laughs> um, but I, so, I mean, it's good. That's uh, it's good that the relationship is better than I thought it was. But um, it's going to take more than them because they're going to have to. If it's just those two, probably a much better chance. But they represent too many other people who are at odds so heavily with each other that it's gonna. It would take. It would take more than that. But um, that would be ideal, though. I mean, I to me that makes more sense to to scrap the, to just totally scrap this season and concentrate however long if it takes two, three, four, five, six months or whatever it takes to hammer that out. And, and to figure that out now, take this time that you would normally be spending on playing baseball and figure out how to make it work. Everybody's losing money this year. The owners are truly losing a ton of money, you know. Um, but that's the time where you can – you have the time to go ahead, open the books up to the, to the Players Association, say, look, this is what, what the realistic thing is. Um, this is where we're at, and, and we're going to have to figure out something. So we got to come to, to some sort of – middle ground here that's the other thing here's the deal as as a um as a, as a privately owned company i completely understand keeping your books closed nobody needs to see that but if you're going to complain and cry about losing money and you want and you're a billion dollar industry if you want people to believe you and be on your side against these players this is the time that you open those books up and you go, look, see, see, this is how I'm hemorrhaging money. If we don't do this, Mm -hmm. then that also, then you've got a point. Now you've shown the players what, what they're, why, what you're coming from, where you're coming from. And it puts, then it puts the onus on the players. And I truly believe that the players will then make the, the correct move and do what they need to do. But right now, they all totally believe that these teams have plenty of money. And the way it sounds, depending on who you listen to, some people say, oh, yeah, these teams are fine. Trust me, they're fine. And then other people are like, nope, no, man, they're, they're bone dry. These teams don't have – they don't have, uh, you know, rainy day funds for stuff like this. So it depends on who you talk to, who you're going to believe. Me personally – Hard to say that a billion-dollar industry, teams that are worth billions of dollars don't have enough money sitting off to the side, uh, not just sitting off to the side, but also for what's going to be coming in to help, to help uh, 
add to that TV money that will come in to be able to do what needs to be done. Yeah, it would be interesting to see the breakdown of, uh, of, of what really, and obviously owners in different cities are in different situations. I'm sure there are owners who, you know, are losing money probably every year. And, uh, and I could, because I've always heard that there are definitely uh, baseball teams, not really the greatest investment. Um, I, yeah. I've heard that before, but, um, you know, there are teams and teams that win all the time and sell a million jerseys and that kind of stuff. It's, you know, those are the teams you think of. Well, I'm going to tell you this, if, if owning a baseball team was not profitable and you're hemorrhaging money or whatever they say about them, then these billionaires wouldn't be doing it and teams would not be worth billions of dollars. So I don't know how much I believe that. I totally believe that owners have to put out more money sometimes than they want to, or maybe their profit margins drop a little because they want to pay for somebody in free agency or do something a little bit more or have to pay, uh, you know, like in the NBA, have to pay like a luxury tax or something. However, these, these, they wouldn't be worth billion. Every team's worth a billion dollars right now. There's not a team in major league baseball. That's not worth at least a billion dollars. These, it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a billion dollar industry if these guys were hemorrhaging money every year. Don't make any sense. Yeah. I, I think the, I feel like there's enough operating costs to, to offset a lot of that. I mean, it sounds like a billion dollars would be way too much to, you know, to, to operate a season. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would bet that, we would be surprised at like total operating costs. There's not going to be fans in the stands. So there's the bulk of your operating costs right there per game. A ton of your operating costs come into the people you have to hire, the security, the, uh, you know, parking, the, you know, attendance and all those. There's, there's a ton of people. There's a ton of operating costs that will be taken off just by not having fans in the stands. But the but but if you have for forty thousand fans, if you have a thousand people working throughout the ballpark, or even two or three thousand people working throughout the ballpark a game, you're losing all the money that's coming in that from the forty. Even if you cut, you know, a red red stadium holds forty two thousand, and you have on an on an average night probably what eighteen to twenty, something like that. I mean, Maybe. It's, you know, they fill up half the half the stadium on a regular night, right? If we're lucky, right. So, um, but even then you're, you're losing that much gate every night and that, that has to way outweigh the, the people that you bring in to operate just the employees, but like I, see, but the I, electric I, I, that has to, I, I feel like I need to know. That's why I think these guys need to open their books up so we can see yeah. what is that cost? Cause right. it's nowhere near what they're making in TV money. I'm, I, I, I'm, I guarantee you it's nowhere close to what they're bringing in in TV money. Yeah, and that's probably different in different, uh, different markets as well. I mean, and, and then obviously if you're, a, if you're a Yankees or a Red Sox team or, or somebody who's in the playoffs more often than anybody else, that's, that's when the owners make all their money is in the playoffs um, because, number one, you're gonna, your advertising dollars are going to be way higher. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you know that's that's aside from the money that you have a deal with for just regular season games exactly um, so but you know most of the league doesn't make the postseason 
You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate here, but I don't know enough. Like you said, I, I don't see their, I don't see the numbers, so I can't really uh, do that. Well. They just tell you, and you're supposed to believe these, these greet. I, I, I say greedy owners. I don't that's know not that fair. that's not fair at all. I stopped myself. <laughs> I stopped myself. It's not fair. But at the same time, you don't, I, I don't trust, I don't trust anyone that owns a billion dollar company that's going to tell me they're losing money. If your company's worth a billion dollars, it's hard for me to believe not just losing money, but hemorrhaging money like like you're 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 spending hundreds of millions of dollars more than you're bringing in i i find that almost impossible to believe yeah i'm trying to think of other businesses i mean i feel like i hear that in other businesses um it's in in a billion dollars is not that you have a pile of a billion dollars it's of assets, course not. Right? right i mean exactly and, and it's, yeah that's or what you have to you have that in assets, you have a great American ballpark, but you pay God knows what for to to do everything it costs to keep that place up. You know, I, I imagine uh, their electric bill each month is more than I will ever make in the to totality of all of the employment in my life and yours put together. <laughs> I don't know about per month. <laughs> Maybe. But in the middle but of the season, for a maybe. year for a year yeah i think you're definitely right i mean i bet it's 10 grand a month oh easy i'll bet it's more you think it's more I'll than that more. I'll bet. they're getting they're getting but duke energy is gonna is is a part of a sponsor a sponsor so they're getting a 25 percent off coupon every month exactly yeah, they're using that 25 percent off coupon man it's only costing them four g's <laughs> four g's they ain't nothing you think that sign on the outfield wall is a is a sign it's a coupon they got to scan that thing every month. Uh-huh. It's got a barcode on it. That's right. Got a barcode on it. <laughs> so, I don't know, man. To be – when it come, really comes down to it, I would love to see baseball being played. Um, even as a, as a hardcore fan, it's kind of getting a little old. And, and the thing is, is we're just talking about money right now, and there is so much more that's going to go into this. They're, they say there's – they say. I don't know who the teams are, but I've heard multiple – national baseball writers say that there's at least four teams out there that would rather just completely scrap the season that do not want to play at all. Now that was probably a Reds team two years ago would have yeah. been like that, but this year it's, it kind of sucks. The Reds went all in on this year and I want an opportunity to at least see them perform with this team. And, and have something to love. If the Reds can make the playoffs, just to be able to, 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 to root for something, we finally have an offense and a defense and a pitching staff that is all put together right now and can compete with, I say can compete in the seven-game series with any team in the league. And it's not fair to teams like that, I feel, to just scrap the season. Although – how would I feel two years ago when the Reds were garbage, hot garbage, and we're in rebuilding? I'd probably be like, you know what, scrap it. What do I care? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. In order to, and we talked about this really with the NBA as they were uh, figuring out their 
their season getting back, you know, those teams that are definitely not in contention to make the playoffs, it, just, it didn't make sense for them to come back. I mean, just, you know, that, that thing, whatever the, the health NBA, risk is. Or, and, it was a good thing for the NBA that they had already started their season. Yeah. That was a great thing. It's tough for it for somebody like the Reds, somebody like baseball, because you got football that's not starting until September and people push you by September. I'm going to be kissing you again. You know what I mean? We'll be able to do whatever we want. We can be yeah. spitting, literally, I feel like we'll just be spitting in each other's faces again. Like, it's no big deal. That's totally gross. But you know <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, if the way things are projecting and going, I feel like this is all of a sudden going to be completely gone. Anyway. That <laughs> just, just reminded me of Ace Ventura, too. He's, he's, he's at that tribe. And uh, that's like a hot, like – Hawking a snot rocket at somebody in their face is like a sign of respect in the yeah. truck that he was working for. <laughs> so they start like spitting each other's faces, and then the next scene they're walking out of the tent, like just covered in each other's phlegm. Oh. I yeah. tell you what, man, I'm good for just about anything. Eh, I'm not a big loogie in the face guy. <laughs> yeah, I sure hope not. Loogie, like I don't mind if somebody's talking, I get a little spit along me. It is what it is. But a loogie, hmm, that's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not good with either one of those. <laughs> anyway, so, so I don't know, man. I really don't know what what I don't I don't know what to think about it. But I think that I do think we will play baseball this year. I believe Ron Manford. I do believe we will play. Although I never heard anything about this, Rob Manford could make everyone play. Basically, I never heard that he had this until yesterday. Like, I didn't know that was even a thing. You Apparently, it was like part of the agreement for March. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, Chris, I feel like by next week when we are back here again talking about this thing, I, I, I feel like maybe by then they might, as far apart as it seems like they are, it sounds like they're a little bit closer to just falling back on that on that agreement they made in March, March 26th. And, that's how it uh, should Hey, as far as I'm concerned, that's how it should be. You make it be a short when it started. There's no reason to go back against it. Yeah, it's going to be a short a short season. So, and the players are going to just get their regular pay for each game, and um, you know that's really that's kind of both both sides are kind of giving something up there, and um, and then they're going to have to agree on that's that's the thing that might that might hold it up is I think they've both been on board with um, with an extended playoffs, but how that works and how many teams there are and what the series are going to be like and where it's going to be played and all that kind of stuff. I feel like that's just another opportunity for them to try to, to try to just disagree to disagree. You know, I, I, I hope that's not the case, but that's, that's those two sides. I mean, that's how it's been for a long I time. I don't understand why the owner, so many owners are hell bent on having these games being played in their parks. I totally agree. Thank you. It's got to be an advertising thing because they can put some advertising in the backgrounds. That's going to be the only thing I can think of because uh, and it, it, the advertising has got to be worth more than what it costs to turn the lights on because they're spent, they're going to have to, they got to put out a quite a bit more money to have it played at their park. Whereas if they're playing in, you know, you know a total of six parks across the country in two different States, and everybody just pitches in on on that. I feel like that's way better for them hemorrhaging all this money. Yeah, I, I don't know how. It, maybe it has something to do with, um, you know, like Fox Sports Ohio 
might not want to go to Arizona and have a crew out there in Arizona to do that. It might be a, it might be a thing where they have a deal with, they have a deal with, they do have a deal with ESPN for some games. So maybe it just, they kind of modify that deal. And instead of, uh, you know, instead of Sunday night baseball, it's every night or whatever, but, um, or, or most nights or something like that. I don't know how that would work. And I don't know how involved each team's, you know, separate market and separate TV deal would work. Maybe it has something to do with that too, but that's a good point though, is, uh, you know, you have advertising constantly and we don't even pay attention to it most of the time. But if you really, if you look at it through that, I just want to, I'm, I'm going to watch this baseball game to find and write down how many signs that I see for advertising, you know, it just, just yeah. through the ballpark and, you know, going in and out of commercials during you know, half innings and everything. It, it is. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. So it might have something to do with that. But I'm with you, though. I, I, to me, it makes way more sense logistically to, to, to have them all play in a couple different spots. Just because they agree on, on the fact that they're going to play, there's a lot more that still is going to have to be done because you still have the safety. You still have um, – what the one guy said, you know uh, – how, how's the locker room going to be or whatever, you know, are they going to socially distance everybody? And he said he was on, he was on a call with T Tory Hunter and Tory Hunter's like, man, what are you talking about? Social distancing. Half the locker room is going to be on Tinder. <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever they decide to do uh, at their own homes is fine. But I mean, we're, we're, we're hearing, I'm hearing a lot of uh, like colleges and stuff are, have redone their locker rooms um, and that's how the NBA is going to, is going to be, they're going to space, space lockers out and try to keep, you know, do the things. Well, now, hold on a second. The whole, the NBA, in the, the, the NBA though, why, why are you spacing locker rooms out? Why, why, why space the locker room out when you're just going to go sit next to each other and run up and down a court and, and be pushing on each other and, and banging down low and playing defense within three inches of each other. What's the point of spreading them out in the locker room if you're gonna if you're doing all that anyway? I feel like at that point in time, then these guys are gonna be quarantined together at Disney World or whatever. Then why are we well, why do anything with the locker room? That doesn't even make sense. I I mean I think it makes sense if it's because it shouldn't be hard. I mean it shouldn't be hard to space lockers apart and ask people to do that, but. The, What's the people that work, the people that work in the locker rooms, though the staff, there's an opportunity for them to to try to be, to try to stay spaced out, you know. And if it's, yeah. so so I'm, at least yeah, like at least training tape and ankles and stuff like that, I'll give you that. Uh, I just don't know. I just don't 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 tell me you're doing it for the players because you you don't care about oh. the players' health because you've already you already are telling them to go run up and down the court and and pound and bump and grind on each other for you know 48 minutes in a gamer so i don't want to hear that it has anything to do with players i'm totally with you with like for the trainers and even even coaches in a way i'm i, I feel like that may, would make sense but i just don't want i i thought you were going in a way of they're doing that for the players because that is not being done for the players well yeah there's there's <laughs> I don't know. I feel like there are reasons that that people more intelligent than me could could give you. Um, I don't know. It, it, if you can do it, why not do it? You know. But 
if it, if it made sense and that they, after they walked out of the locker room, they stayed that way and they stayed spread out and they stayed then because then, yeah, I would totally agree with you. Yeah. But if you're, they're not going to stay that way anyway, then what's an hour or two in the locker room going to change compared to the rest of the day? That's just my opinion. I, yeah. I think there's a lot of stuff right now that's starting to get where, where, where people are like, well, do this when you're over here. But when you're over here, it is what it is. But over here, I want you to do this. But over here, well, you know, eh, if you feel like it. But over here, must do it. But you're still letting everybody do things. It's, it's, it, uh, things are getting a little bit weird. And if they, they still want everybody to, to, to keep their distance, and I say just cancel it all, stand firm, say no, whatever. We've like I've got to watch uh you know the Reds I'll watch the Reds 1990 World Series again. <laughs> yeah, they've they've already shown it all the way through twice. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, and and I'll tell you what you know what you know it's funny you said that. I I hate to say this on a sports podcast and I identify as my I'm a very one dimensional person in that I am like a big sports guy and I don't know a whole lot else about anything else. So having identified that way and kind of kind of being proud about that, which I shouldn't be at all. I sh- I, I I would like to be smart about way more things, and I'm sure. not I'm smart about sports. But you're either, just not anyway. as interested, so it's harder to get into other things. You're right. most interested in the sports side. That's not a bad thing, but it's I understand what you're saying. I'd love to be smarter about other things, but that's just who we are. Continue. Yeah, but you know it, it's it's been a little easier than I thought it would be. Of course. You know, I'm even kind of getting tired of what, you know, even like, especially now and in the last couple of weeks, if you're, if you're typing on Twitter, I miss basketball or I miss baseball. Everybody knows that everybody said that yeah. three months ago. Stop with that. It's, it's everybody misses it. That's fine. But I'll tell you what, I'm okay. Like, I feel like I'm more okay with it than I thought it would be. You know, I, I, there's plenty of stuff to do. There's still like every sports channel on TV is still playing old games, which are kind of boring sometimes and kind of fun sometimes. You know, it's fun to flip on and see what old players are playing. I'm probably not going to watch an entire, you know, an, an entire game. Um, but that's that. It's it's been fine. And these documentaries on ESPN. They're keeping us going. After the last dance was over, everybody thought, oh man, here we go again. We got nothing. But you had two episodes of Lance, uh, which I still haven't watched, but I'm going to. And then this past weekend was the one that I was most excited about for sure, which was Be Water, the documentary about Bruce Lee. So we both watched the documentary about Bruce Lee and we wanted to kind of go over it and talk about it. And I got to tell you, this is how terrible I am uh, and how little I knew about Bruce Lee. I like, you've seen every, I've seen all the Bruce Lee flicks, right? I mean, the guy had the greatest sound effects in the history of karate movies. Uh, But, uh, or sorry, Kung Fu movies or whatever it is. So I... Up until this, I thought he got shot on stage when somebody was supposed to have fake bullets in their gun and they and it was like a real bullet or a prop bullet screwed up or something and shot and killed him. That was his son. That's how his son died yeah. in 1993. Mm-hmm. I was way off. 
this dude just had a really bad heart uh, headache and took some pills and never woke back up. Yeah. Yeah. But even with Bruce Lee's death, there have been, there are conspiracy theorists that have been talking for years and years about, you know, possibly uh, some foul play maybe. Um, but it sounded like they wanted to talk about it. The guy who was talking about that girl who gave him medicine or whatever. Yeah. It sounded like they wanted to bring her into that somehow. Yeah. I, I don't, she was the one that had the, the um, painkiller that she gave, yeah. that she gave him. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was, it was equagesic that she gave him, which I was, I was looking at this uh, earlier was apparently he had the cause of death was that, or well, not the official cause of death, but they say that it, it may have been a reaction, like an allergic reaction to, um, I think it's Mepra, uh, I had it earlier, a probamate or something like that, it's, which is a tranquilizer in this, um, that's part of this, it's like tranquilizer and aspirin, that's part of this painkiller that you yeah. get. So um, anyway, yeah, and but he had, Apparently that was this, that was like the second episode like that. He had um, uh, cerebral, what was it? Cerebral edema is what they called it, which is basically just the swelling of the brain. And you hear about that once in a while, and it happens to young people. And I don't know what causes it, but yeah. um, you know, when people die young, sometimes you hear about that. It's just a you know your brain swells up, and that happened once, and he collapsed, and they got him to the hospital, and they got it under control, and then. Not very long after that, it happened again. You were saying he was at a meeting about another movie they were shooting, and um, it was it was shortly before my one of my probably five or six favorite movies ever, Enter the Dragon. Enter the Dragon is by far my favorite Bruce Lee movie, and it's one of my favorite for like a year and a half or two years maybe. Almost every single night, I put that on to fall asleep. Really. <laughs> Yeah, I love, I've seen that movie like 300 times. So Chuck Norris, you know, everybody knows Chuck Norris came out of this and Enter the Dragon was big for Chuck Norris. But I'm going to tell you, my favorite Bruce Lee movie is The Death Games. I think, is that what it's called? Or The Death Game or something like that? Game of Death, I think. Game maybe. of Death. Yeah, there you go. Game of Death. That's my favorite where he goes from like, uh, from like room to room and he fights all his... They're basically all his uh, movie star friends that he put into a movie, right? So he, he fights Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and he fights, um, and he fights uh, uh, you know. Chuck Norris. That's his name, Chuck Norris. Yeah, I kind of, I, I, that was always one of my favorite ones. Yeah. Um, yeah, there were, it, what was interesting is, and I didn't remember this um, until they said it, but he was, he moved back. So he was born in San Francisco um, because his father was a, uh, was like a famous, famous uh, opera singer, I think. And um, so he was like touring the U.S. when he was born. And um, so he was born in San Francisco. So, so he was an American citizen. And then like two months later, or two or three months later, they moved to back to Hong Kong and uh, where he grew up. But when he was 18, he moved back. He, he wanted, he was a child actor in Hong Kong. Um, and he wanted to make it in America as an actor. So he moved back at 18 and he went to, to go to the University of Washington. He moved to Seattle. And, uh, and he, you know, tried out for roles and all that. And, and he got, that was back when this kind of came into to where we're at, where, you know, with the, with the, 
what the climate's like right now, um, there was still a lot of um, the racism in uh, the, this, you know, in the systems, including Hollywood, were still huge then. And so they talked several times about how um, Hollywood, nobody, no producers would hire a, a leading man that was, you know, anything other than white, really. Um, so that's why he didn't get opportunities as a leading man. So he moved back to Hong Kong after, I think it was like 12 years of trying that. And he made a whole bunch of, you know, really successful movies over there. Uh, and then that's when he got the opportunity, really his biggest opportunity was Enter the Dragon. And uh, so I think that was the first Warner Brothers uh, picture that, that he did. And he was the leading man for it. Um, so anyway, that's, and then he unfortunately passed away. Like, I think it was like maybe two weeks before the premiere, uh, before it was, before it was released in theaters Enter the dragon. So in 1973. And, um, so yeah, I, I, a lot of interesting stuff. He's a really super interesting guy. And he was, you know, it's hard to believe that he was only 32 years old when he died. It seems like he's, he's so accomplished and he was like so ahead of his time, uh, just intellectually if when you when you listen to him and you know you hear all this cool stuff about him seems like so, he was so much older than that it, it came out at the right time with all the 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 racial things going on right now and back into and in, into almost having race wars again as we did you know back in those 60s right like we're getting into a it's a it's a it's a crazy time so um to see how much he uh, he would not take a role where he would be the, you know, the stereotypical Asian or they would make fun of him or if it was a role he didn't, if it was a role that, that put his culture down, he would not take it. And, and for him to, to come out and, uh, and it seemed he didn't feel comfortable when he was in China and he didn't always feel comfortable in Hollywood because of the way they would treat him because of his race. He almost became this, what they call him a, I can't remember what they called him, but he was like a, in the middle, right? So uh, he, that being said, he, would, he was able to look at everyone and take everyone in, no matter who you were. You know, they said that when these, these people from China would bring in, would open dojos or studios or whatever to train people, they wouldn't, they looked down on him because he would take white people, black people, uh, uh, people from, from Hollywood, regular people off the street. He would teach anyone. He didn't care. Like it didn't matter who you were. He just wanted to teach it. And it wasn't even Kung Fu that he was teaching. He was basically developing his own style of martial arts where, where he would, he would take, you know, it was based off of that. But it, like he said, in one of his movies, he said, uh, the guy said, yeah, he's teaching me all that stuff. And he goes, I'm not teaching you. It's, this is not, I'm not teaching you anything. It, you just have to learn who you have to learn your body and how everything works for you. And I kind of like that, you know, it's not, a, a, that dude would have been a killer, killer uh, in MMA. Oh yeah. And that, that, that's the coolest part. Jeet Kune Do is, is the, uh, his, martial art that he that he created but it was all based on that's the coolest part to me is he took you know philosophies and and um 
I don't know how to, how to say it, but he, he took things from several different martial arts. He even talked about how he studied Muhammad Ali, Ali and, and Lewis. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, boxers and, um, um, just, just people from everywhere. And, and that's part of what the be water thing was. He's, he talked about, you know, water adapts to whatever, whatever container it's in or wherever it, you know, wherever it's pushed to go by, you know, maybe by the wind or maybe it's in a glass, it takes the form of the glass, you know, adaptation and, um, you know, just, just being, being free flowing, I guess, and, and being able to do, handle anything because you're prepared for anything. Um, at least that's how I understood it. He says some things that I'm like, ah, I'm not, I'm just not on that level, man. Strongest metals, yet you can put your hand through it. Like it's, yet it's, it's soft. It's the softest thing there is, yet it can permeate the hardest materials like it's a really it was really cool to be water thing the way they they brought it up about six or seven times in it and it was kind of cool yeah I, I the guy was the guy had his mentality and he knew who he was and who he wanted to be and what he wanted to do and uh it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty cool watching all that stuff man i love going back and i think history is a very important thing that i wish i read more about now I'm not going to read about it, obviously, but I wish I would watch more documentaries. How about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're uh, they're available. I love documentaries. I'm I'm enjoying them more and more all the time. Um, but yeah, I, I something you you said just a little bit ago. Um, he was he was like so true to himself. Like he wouldn't take roles that you know like traditional Hollywood roles back then in the '60s or '70s uh, in America that typecast Asian actors, right? And, and um, so he wouldn't do those things. And until he got the lead, the lead role that he finally got. And that was an interesting thing that I heard about Enter the Dragon was that he agreed to it and everything. <clears throat> he got there, he, he, he flew to LA or whatever to shoot it. Or actually it probably wasn't shot in LA. Some of it, it was maybe. Hong Kong. But um, it, it uh, was in Hong Kong. It was in Hong Kong, I'm pretty sure. Was it shot in Hong Kong? Um, I think shot in Hong Kong too. Anyway, he, yeah. he went to where they were going to shoot and then he like said, hold on, I'm not, I'm not doing this until, cause he had some, some things in the script that he wanted. He said it was too like surface level too you know, too Hollywood kind of stuff. And he wanted to, to get some things in there that, that really kind of got his, his thought, his philosophy and, you know, kind of his, wanted he wanted he wanted his touch on the script right. and they said no at first and then he he like kind of said he didn't show up yeah basically he didn't show up the set <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm not i'm not coming in i'm calling in sick if you're uh if you're not gonna let me uh have a little say in this thing so which was good and that was part of the at the beginning of the movie he um you know runs into the young kid at this at the shaolin temple that he was that he was at and he uh he kind of like has a little teaching moment with the kid and that was like all his thing that he wanted to write in. Like that was the kind of stuff, yeah. you know, that he wanted to, to get in there. And, um, that I thought that made it way cooler than if they wouldn't have had, you know, if they would have done like a, a, a more stereotyped version of yeah. that movie, which it sounds like was originally. I would have loved, I, I wish they would have done more on the one inch punch. Yeah. They didn't do anything on the one inch punch. I mean, they showed it's it a videos, right? But like they did a whole sports science thing on that one inch punch. Yeah. And how 
like the power they don't know where he came where they cannot figure out how he came up with the power that he had in that thing yes in your mind mr miyagi that's right <laughs> miyagi teach you how to do it i bet mr miyagi had a half inch punch just as much power oh yeah absolutely i mean he, he could nail a board hammer board into a board in one in one hammer hit so yeah yep that's exactly <laughs> right Oh, Lordy, I'll tell you what. But it was good. I, I definitely think people should watch it, whether you know Bruce Lee or you don't know Bruce Lee. There's always something to learn uh, from somebody like that. He's very confident in himself. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot in it for a guy that only lived to be 32 years old. Yeah. And, and like you said, there's a lot of history in it, too. Um, American history, Chinese history, the, the, the history they talk about between the Chinese and Japanese, how they hated each other. Uh, for a long time and and that's he grew up uh I, I think he grew up for several years they were at war and they were basically under japanese control for a while well that's why he went back to hong kong as a three-month-old baby uh because the the there was a war the japanese and chinese were uh there was a, a war coming through or whatever starting to get stronger and in that culture in that chinese culture uh, you you are with your family in times of crisis like that. So they up and packed everything up, and they said we're bringing everyone with us. And you, they were with their family during that time for you know whatever the things that they did. Yeah, yeah, and that's when he got into because they said when that war ended, um, his father started working. His father was a famous actor, and I think it said opera singer, yeah. um, and that's how he got into t television when he was uh, a child. So. Um, they both got into it more heavily when they when they got back um, when when everything settled down over there. He was only gonna let him do one, and then he did so well, and and then all of a sudden he just kept going and going. Like I like that he's in his girlfriend in in college was on there, and and uh, or was it his? Yeah, it was his girlfriend. I think I think it was one. It was his girlfriend that they were talking to, not his wife, but one of his previous before that girlfriend, and uh, she's like, we all go to the movies. We all go to Chinatown and go see this movie. And it was a movie that he was in and nobody knew that he was a child actor. Like yeah. all these people that are in, because when he moved in and went to, went to school, he wasn't doing any acting or anything at that point in time. He just was, he was just teaching. He was going to school and teaching Kung Fu and that's it. And, and so these people didn't even know that he was in it. And then they see him and he's just like, yeah, yeah, I was working. Yeah. Bring him some bacon for the family. <laughs> yeah uh yeah that was really cool um this coming weekend so it depends on when you're listening to this we probably shouldn't do timestamp stuff but uh it's <laughs> if you're listening to this within a couple of days and i hopefully yeah. we'll be able to get this posted earlier than i did last week um but it, the uh the long i think it's long gone summer or something something along those lines the the one on sunday on espn uh, I'm about McGuire and Sosa in 98. This is coming out at the best time because that is what saved, brought baseball back from the 1994, um, 1994 strike was the 1998 home run, home run uh, battle between Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. We are on, we are, we are at the preface of seeing the exact same thing about to happen in baseball. And 
hopefully by the time that comes on this Sunday, we'll have an agreement and we'll know what's going to be happening. So next week, if we can talk about that documentary, how it's going to affect and how it, how close it will be towards what's going on now in baseball, it'll be kind of fun to see. Yeah. Yep. Watch your documentaries, sports or not sports. A lot of good information out there. There you go. Well, Oh, I'm, go. What do you got? Sorry. No, we're talking, since, since we're on the topic, um, when you, when you get on Netflix right now, I don't know if it's doing it every time, but I know yesterday I got on there and the first screen that comes up is, um, a screen full of like documentaries about, um, about like race, race relations, uh, history involving that kind of stuff. Um, so check that out on Netflix. And as a matter of fact, there was a, a documentary, a really good documentary that I had heard about like three years ago. And I think I've, when I first heard about it, I looked for it, couldn't find it or something, but it's on, it is on Netflix. It's called 13th. Um, if you're looking for information about what's going on right now, uh, it was made in 2016, but it's, it's relative to today for sure. And it's mostly about history. Um, so check that out. A lot of people on, on the, on the chat snap and the tweeter and the tweetosphere talking about this 13th saying how, saying oh. that this is a must see. It's a must watch. Yeah. Um, that's kind of cool. Cool. Hey, it's, yeah, by I'll the watch way, it. it's good. Getting in. If, if we're going to talk about that real quick, I do want to say, I, uh, you know what? Nah, we'll save that. Maybe we'll save that for some other time. Okay. Uh, that's that's we don't need that anyway um speaking of netflix i did not watch michael che that's okay and what's funny is so it'll give everybody another week to 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 watch it because i'm telling you you need to watch this something happened and i meant to look it up before we before we came on but something happened i think similar to what happened in the last month or two with with all three of the um the black people that were that were killed by white people whether they were cops or former cops or whatever um something similar happened in 2015 or 16 when he shot that thing because a lot it's called michael che matters because he talks about the black lives matter 16 was that was that uh the trayvon martin I think it might've been, I, I wish I could keep them. I, I don't wish I could keep them all. I wish, I don't wish I could remember them all really. Cause I don't want to, but um, I wish I could. And I don't mean like they don't deserve to be remembered. I just mean, there's such awful things. I just don't want to. Yeah. When, when you, but, the, but it's dates that are so important to uh, the, the culture that we live in right now. They're, they're going to be important in the, in the future of our history. Yeah. When it comes down, this is not something, there's a lot of things that are happening right now in the uh, legislature and, 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 and Congress and Senate and things like that. There's a lot of laws being looked at uh, for a lot of different things. And none of these things are things that are going to be done this year or next year. This could be, we're, we're, this is still going to be an inch fight to get full equality. And, and it probably will never happen in our lifetime, which is a horrible thing to think about or say but it's just such a slow paced thing to get all these individual small things taken care of. Uh, 
to, to, to get and, and let people feel some kind of equality that, uh, that it, it is going to be important to have these dates. The George Floyd is going to be a huge date in history. Trayvon Martin will be all part of different things that happened in this to bring us into where we're at, you know, five, 10, two, three, 20, however many years from now. So it's okay to say what you're going to say. I wish I remembered the date. It's okay <laughs> yeah. to say it. But what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I, I was, yeah, I, I was just trying to remember what it was um, that prompted him to make that such a big part of his show, uh, including the title. Um, was, but he does, 2012. He talks, he talks about, uh, he talks about a lot of race stuff and it's, it's so, it's, it sound if you don't know that that was filmed or released in 2016 if you had no idea you would think it was happening you would think it was just released this week it's yep. it's so it's it's kind of freaky almost um how much it sounds like it's so uh like he could have he could so do funny. the exact same stand-up thing right now and it would it would it would just blend right in yeah and, and i i feel like it's a little different now because i'm not sure you could do the same jokes right now that he did. Um, I think it's going to get, I think it's going to get where, you know, time, time doesn't necessarily heal this, but to, to, for, you know, for this point in 2016, something big happened there. You know, there were probably some, some, probably some protesting, some upheaval and, eventually that kind of like died back down and we kind of, everybody kind of went back to the same old thing. And that's what we're trying to make sure that doesn't happen again. Right. Cause we don't just want to be like, okay, well it's been two months now, so let's just move on or whatever. You know, it's, mm -hmm. that's why people are still out, uh, you know, still, still trying to make their voices heard and everything. Um, but that's, it, it, it's, I hate to, to get away from it. It's really, really funny. <laughs> um, so just, just listen to it. I mean, we, or just watch it. I mean, we, we talked about that at the end of last week. Like it's, it's, it's humor about race difference between white people and black people. You'll be surprised maybe about some of the things that he has to say. Um, but uh, it's, 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 I think it's really, really, really funny. And he doesn't just talk about that the whole time. He's got a lot of really good material on a lot of different topics. So, um, but Michael we'll, Brown That was what this would have been after Michael Brown, Michael Brown. Okay. Michael Brown yeah. was six. In, in so it's yeah it's funny i mean he actually makes some good points within his jokes too so he does a good job of anyway well, uh, that's what a, that's what a good that's what uh, a, a good comedian if you're going to do if you're going to do these jokes right the jokes that you're going to hear if you listen to michael che with us last week or you didn't hear it last week and you're going to listen to it with us this week number one it's important to still laugh in, in hard times, right? Because it keeps an upbeat feeling in you of some kind. It, it releases endorphins in a different way. So it's good to still do that. And, and, and besides that, to do the jokes that he's going to do, you got to have, you got to have a, you got to have a truth, a sincerity, a meaning behind it at the same time. And I've seen Michael Che before, and I know the dude, when he does, the way he gets on, uh, the way he gets on, uh, Col what's the guy's name that he's Colin on? Jost. Colin Jost. The way he gets with him, it is pretty funny. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Should be really good.
Yeah, I, this this special, I saw it. I don't know. I don't think I saw it when it first came out, but I saw it a while ago. Uh, and then at that time, that was like the first time in a really long time that I started watching Saturday Saturday Night Live a little bit again. Really? Yeah. And then and then I kind of didn't for a little while again. And then I saw he was on uh, Bumping Mics, which is a it was like a three episode thing with uh, with two comedians. And he made like a guest appearance on there. And in the two or three minutes he was on stage with these guys, he was super funny. And they were they had a bunch of people, a bunch of comedians come up and talk to him and stuff. And he was probably the funniest one. And um, so it, it like kind of got me back into it again. So for the last, you know, maybe uh, five or six, seven months, something like that, I've, I've tried to, I haven't watched every one or anything, but I, I watched that specifically, especially for Weekend Update, because like you said, he and Colin Jost, Especially when they do, <laughs> uh, I think around Christmas time, and they just they write each other's they, yeah, write, they write each, write each other's, other's jokes. You, they don't get to see it. They have to write each other's jokes, and Colin just will just hold. He'll just it'll just come up on the screen for him to read, and he just goes, yeah. "No, no, no." <laughs> I wish they did a whole hour-long program of those. Just write, just write an hour's worth of jokes for each other. Make each other as uncomfortable as possible. It's the funniest thing on that show right now. I'm telling yes. you. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. No doubt about it. All right, so I'm gonna watch. I'm watching it tonight, right? So we're. I'm gonna. Hour. I'm gonna rewatch it because I want to anyway. We're on an hour for the podcast right now, so we're breaking records. Yeah. About getting done so fast since the COVID hit. <laughs> so I got plenty of time tonight to go watch this without it being three o'clock in the morning. Uh, so I'm excited. I'm watching Michael Che tonight. Do it, and we're watching. And so, so next week we'll have Michael Che, we'll have more Major League Baseball. Hopefully, we get a little bit more information about uh, the NBA, like because uh, by that time they should be getting into moving in there and and starting to practice, right? Because uh, yeah, I mean the the last week of June is supposed to start July first, and they wanted to have two weeks of 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 practice or whatever to get to get back into shape. So we should be getting close to that. So I'm excited about uh, about some NBA. We we're gonna have some Michael Che. We're gonna have some 1998 Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, uh, and obviously Major League Baseball. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to another week in no sports on the Nosebleed Sports Podcast. <laughs> no, we got we got sports in. We, we got. Do. We do. We do. All right, so uh, oh, uh, so before we get out of here, because we did not talk about the people that support us at the beginning, so we'll go ahead and throw it in at the end. So, Adam, uh, the pro- the podcast is brought to you by by training personally with Peggy Edwards. Gaining and maintaining a healthy mind, body, and spirit requires healthy eating, exercise, reducing stress, practicing a positive attitude, and seeking truth. Just off the top of my head, I just thought of that. Assisting you in this journey is Peggy like some Edwards. Seeking. Sounded like something Bruce, Bruce Lee would have said. Bruce Lee, yeah. Yeah, maybe I was uh, remembering something that he said. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but assisting you in that journey, and that's how – is Peggy Edwards' mission. And Peggy Edwards, you can put her on that same, that same plane as Bruce Lee as far as uh, preparing, taking care of your body, your mind, your spirit. It's not only about exercise, 
It's about the relationship and accountability between client and trainer. Peggy Edwards. So no matter where you're at, your level of fitness, if you like to be challenged, you need to be challenged maybe, uh, you want the benefit of working out with a personal trainer without the cost, the expensive cost of a personal trainer traditionally, training personally with Peggy Edwards is for you. Training personally is interval training for all levels, circuit training for all levels with a personal trainer at your pace, on your time. Peggy Edwards keeps your workout safe, fresh, fun. She'll be opening back up very soon here. Um, and she will have, it will be the cleanest gym you can find. You will be in a separate space using equipment that only you will be using while you are there. Uh, the equipment will be cleaned before and after. Everything will be set for you to get back, get, get, get rid of the, the COVID belly or whatever you got going. If you got one of those going like I do, um, it's located when she does open up located at 3634 Boudinot Avenue in Cincinnati, Ohio. And you can find out all the information you need about the reopening and all the precautions she's taking uh, by checking out her Facebook page, Training Personally on Facebook. You can also go to the website, trainingpersonally.com. Any questions you have can be answered on there. If you still have questions, email her, Peggy, P-E-G-G-Y, at trainingpersonally.com or give her a phone call, 513-328-0296. That's Peggy Edwards with Training Personally, 513-328-0296. Also by Ohio Mosquito Control, uh, at Ohio Mosquito Control, they offer quality services to the Cincinnati area, reasonable prices. They're family owned and operated. Uh, the professional mosquito control service, just a phone call away. Call or contact them online at ohio-mc.com. You can book everything online. You can schedule residential. Uh, right now is the time to do it because you're already a little bit, you, the, you're, you're, the buck's behind right now. If you like to be outside, you're a step behind, you're about a month behind, but that's all right. They will hook you up. They'll get you caught up, make sure those bugs are gone. Nobody's getting bit. Nobody's getting hurt. They'll do one-time sprays. If you got a party coming up, they'll, do, uh, they'll set you up on a program for the summer, and they will get you taken care of. Just make sure you get a hold of them, ohio-mc.com. Family-owned and operated. Uh, they guarantee their service, so if something – if, you, if you're getting bit up within a week uh, of the spray, give them a call back. They'll come out, no charge, and take care of you. Uh, get a hold of Jason uh, at Jason. I'm sorry. Get a, get a hold of Jason to take care of you there. Family owned, like I said, 513-347-3594. 513-347-3594 or ohio-mc.com. I use them. And they're phenomenal. Did you, use, did you do it again this year? Um, I haven't called them yet. So the bugs are coming out. So it's time. You're, you're behind, it's, dude. You're behind. You're behind. It's gonna get, you're just locking yourself in a room. You're locking yourself in a room, in, like in a, in a closet, inside of your room, inside of your house right now. That's the only but, reason I have it. Because I'm not yeah, going outside. But, exactly. But, uh, but, but, I mean, you're pale white, dude. You're pale white. Yes, I am. Yes, so, I am. So yeah, uh, you, got, you you need a little you need a little uh, sunny D, a little vitamin D in you, <laughs> and uh, the sun will help you on that. So uh, get yourself out there. I use it. They're phenomenal. They're they they do a great job, and uh, 
yeah, that, that's about all I got, Bob. Good work this week, man. Yeah, nice we tight. kept this thing, kept it quick, kept it, uh, kept it tight, kept it quick, and uh, hopefully that means that the download period is much shorter for you. I think. By I'm the way, real quick, before we're done, I just want to say thank you to you. You have uh, you have taken on producer realm, uh, which has not been easy since this is all started. Uh, downloading everything, posting it everywhere. I've almost forgot how to do it. So I appreciate it. Adam's got us back on YouTube. I couldn't even get us on YouTube. Adam's got us back on YouTube. That's how good he's done in this COVID time. So I appreciate it, sir. Hey, I, I, thanks for saying that. I, I, I hit a button that says record. And when we're done, I hit a button that says stop. And then I throw it up on the, on the stuff we were on, which is basically everything. By the way, SoundCloud, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, um, you might have to obviously YouTube. Uh, you might have to help I me. iHeartRadio, Google, uh, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify. Uh, basically, if you can get a podcast on it, we're there. We're there, and we will be there. Hopefully, this will be up sometime tomorrow instead of Saturday, like it was last time. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we should be in good shape. So keep if you're if you're watching, keep watching. If you're listening, keep listening. Uh, tell your tell your friends and your family about it. These two bozos just sit there and talk about nothing for a while, but uh, that's what sports we love. Sports will be back. We love all you guys that have that have kept with us, uh, and we understand if you haven't. But sports will be back, so uh, stick with it. We'll try to get you through the best we can, and we'll see you next week.